We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principal, where we interview real principals who are doing amazing things to help our students every single day. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter, at Jethro Jones. Let's go ahead and get started. Why don't you uh, start by telling people who you are and where you're at and what you're doing. You bet. Um, so I'm Sean Davids. I'm a principal here at West Langley Elementary School, uh, which is a school of about 260 kids in uh, Langley School District. Uh, I've been principal there now for three years um, and love it. It's a great, uh, great school community there. And uh, we've just been doing a lot of cool stuff around learning, specifically uh, how to leverage the technology to help out with the student learning. Yeah. And your your technology um stuff is is really cool i really like what you're doing with it talk a little bit about um the things that you're most excited about with your technology implementation yeah i mean probably the most exciting part has just been kind of watching the students and staff just embrace it as a tool for learning um you know when i got there three years ago uh, we had a a set of cows which are computers on wheels Mm -hmm. um so the some macbooks and that was about it um and um you know we had talked with the pack and talked with the staff about how to sort of move forward with technology in a way that was really going to empower learning and so we decided to look at getting some mobile devices so we started out with ipads um, and just watching that grow over three years, <clears throat> excuse me, and watching staff just embrace it has been really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the uh, cool things that that you've been doing is you have a different approach than most to um, to using iPads. And you you told me before that it's not app centric, but that you're trying to do something else with the iPads. What is tell us about that? 
we talk a lot on our staff uh, about the fact that, you know, this, the iPad's not a silver bullet for learning. Uh, no device is. And so we spend a lot of time talking about how to use the device to empower learning. So, um, you know, we talk about what do you want the kids to learn? We start at that. And then we talk about if and how um, the device can actually help. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it blends really well with more traditional ways of learning things. Mm. And sometimes, you know, you can use the device to really sort of um, augment and support the learning that you want to have happen. But it's got to be about the learning. That's the key. Right. And so your teachers use the iPad when it's necessary and when it's making sense. But the question is always, um, what do you want the kids to learn first? Um, was that a, a hard thing to get your teachers to, to, to think about when we're so app and device centric, like we have to implement technology for technology's sake? How did you overcome that hurdle? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of, it can be kind of tough at the beginning because I think what happens is people, you know, say, listen, I, I want my kids to learn about addition. So can you find me an adding app? And, you know, then the kid will do the app and all of a sudden they'll know how to add. But, you know, what we know as teachers is, is learning is a real scaffolding kind of thing. And so um, when you start to have conversations about, um, you know, what it is you want them to learn, then you start to have the how can they learn it conversation, which is the one where you enter the technology into it. Um, and for teachers, you know, sometimes um, that fear of technology can be helpful because they're not ready to just jump right in and say, look, here's the device, you know, can you fix it? But they kind of want to take it and blend it with what it is that they're doing. And sometimes that's the most powerful thing. I mean, I have a teacher who, you know, uses uh, base 10 blocks along with the iPad to help the kids learn about adding. And that's the kind of blended learning that's going to reach, you know, as many kids as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really awesome. And what I like about that is that, um, when we're teaching, we should use whatever technology is going to help us. And in that case, the base 10 blocks really do help. Kids need the hands-on, they need the manipulatives, and that's really important. And then she's adding to that with something that the iPad can do that, that something else can't, can't do. So what are some of the, the neat applications that you've seen from your teachers about how they're using the iPad or any other technology at, at the school? Yeah, well, I mean, I would say probably one of the biggest things that I'm seeing that's powerful for learning is um, any sort of app that involves some kind of screencasting or some kind of, you know, capturing what kids are thinking about when we're not around and they're learning. So, you know, we have a, quite a few teachers who are using um, apps for guided reading. So what they do is they uh, upload uh, books into Explain Everything, which is a really popular app that a lot of people know about. Mm -hmm. um, and the kids are able to take that away. They're able to use a little laser pointer and um, read into a microphone through the books. Uh, it records them. Um, one of the, the real cool things is they're able to listen to themselves back. So they're doing this great self-assessment long before the teacher's even involved. Um, quite often, you'll walk by and you'll hear kids saying, you know, I didn't pronounce these words right, or I didn't read that with the proper inflection, and they'll re-record it. Mm -hmm. And then as a teacher, um, you know, the kids are able to upload these guided reading um, sessions into their Google Drive and teachers can listen to them at work or at home or, you know, whatever works for them. So that's been a real powerful sort of formative assessment tool as we kind of move kids along that reading spectrum. I mean, it's just one example, but it's a pretty powerful one. That is pretty powerful. And and how how did you go about allowing teachers to 
to do that or inspiring them to do that or guiding them to that? What was, what was your role as the, as the leader in your school? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I have a couple of roles. I think one is I have to give them the permission to try things. Uh, I have to give them the permission and the protection to fail at them. Because, you know, when you implement change or you implement anything, um, there's always a lot of people who, um, you know, want to sort of go at the failures, um, you know, parents, other staff, districts, anybody will want to do that. Um, so I think part of my role is to, you know, sort of protect them from that, give them permission to try things and then just support them like crazy. And so, you know, if they're doing a lesson on guided reading with the iPads and it's their first time, then I'm going to make an effort to be there or I'm going to make an effort to make sure the teacher next door is strong at that and, and can support them. Um, you know, I think learning for adults is not that different than learning for kids, right? I mean, they need mm -hmm. to be met where they're at. So that's really important. I talked to my staff about the fact that, listen, you know, we're all somewhere on the spectrum of learning how to use technology and we just can't stay where we are. we got to keep working to move forward. And so, you know, if you're at the very beginning stages, then that's where we'll meet you. And if you're at the, you know, far beyond me stages, then, you know, I'll try to find support for you up there. But um, you got to support them so that they feel comfortable using it. Right. And, and how do you communicate that to the teachers so that they feel comfortable doing it and feel like they, they can fail? How, how do you set that up? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I talk to them about it, which is helpful. But, you know, I think we all know that action is a thousand times louder than words, right? So I try to model it myself. So I, I don't mind taking risks, um, you know, when it comes to the things that I'm learning about. Um, I don't mind being very public about that. So I'm very open to the fact that, you know, yep, I'm trying this out and it didn't work and this is how I'm reflecting on it. You know, I often write in my blog about things that are going on at school so that staff can see that, you know, I'm learning as well and I'm, I'm having some successes and I'm having some failures and that's sort of part of the learning process. So I think they have to see it in us. They have to see the modeling. Um, you know, I don't, we're long past the days where a principal tells staff what to do and all of a sudden they do it. I mean, we're a right. team. We just have different roles in the school. Absolutely. That's a really, you said so many really awesome things in there. So uh, you model the behavior for your teachers and um, you treat them as professionals and you, you support them when they need support. And then you work together as a team and you see them as part of a team. Um, those are all just fantastic, and I'm sure that it took time for people to to trust that that's really who you were. What's your opinion on on the time it took them to trust you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think anybody who's in education knows that we're in a relationship business, right? And I mean, nothing works with kids if you don't have a relationship with them. Uh, nothing works as a principal with staff if you don't have a relationship with them. You know, and again, those all take different amounts of time to form, right? So, um, you know, all I can do is come and be me and be open and be honest with them. Um, and then I, I build a relationship from that. Um, and then I, I think once that starts to occur, then you can really start having the conversations about the educational change, you know, that you want to see in your schools. So, you know, as far as a timeline, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't happen on day one. I didn't come in on day one and say, hey, I, you know, I brought 30 iPads with me. Why don't we get going? Right. But, um, you know, at the same time, you know, you've got to you've got to trust. I think the trusting them as professionals is a really big stepping stone to building that relationship. I mean, for me, by nature, 
You know, I have complete trust in the professionals around me. I mean, they all are passionate about kids. They're trained in what they do. You know, they don't need me telling them how to, you know, go in there and, and teach reading or teach math. They need me to support them and, and kind of move them along and challenge them when they need to be challenged. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so powerful, Sean. They need me not to teach that, to tell them how to teach. They need me to support them when they need support and challenge them when they need challenging. That is so, yeah. so powerful. I love that. Um, you talked a little bit about your blog, how you reflect on things that you've tried and failed on your blog. Um, how? Tell me about that process. How open are you about your failures with your staff versus on your blog? Are they one and the same or do you share more on the blog or share more to your faculty? How do you do that? Well, yeah, I mean, in general, they're pretty much the same. I mean, I would say that my staff get to see more failures and more reflection just because they're with me every day. So, right. you know, if I happen to be in the lunchroom, you know, at lunchtime, I have no problem saying, oh, man, I was just talking to this parent and, you know, here's what was frustrating and here's what I'm struggling with. Can you guys help me? And I may not blog about that. Like, I, you know, I might do a more general blog or something, but mm -hmm. I think think they get to see it on a daily basis and that's where the relationship forms because I think you create some vulnerability there where they understand that nope Sean is a person and he's an educator and he's struggling with some of the same things that I struggle with and so now that that conversation can start to happen right mm -hmm. now some leaders see vulnerability as a weakness and you set it as if it were a positive or a strength why do you think that um, vulnerability is a strength yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a human thing for starters. So I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, anything that's human necessarily is a weakness. It just makes up who we are. Um, and I think everybody feels vulnerable. So, you know, for me to say that I think everybody is weak would be silly. I think vulnerability is a strength. It allows us to actually reflect on, you know, who we are and what it is we do well and open ourselves to the help of others. And I think that's that's the key, right? Like I'm not an island of myself. And sometimes I have to be able to say, I don't know the answer to this and I need your help. Or I'm struggling with this and I need you guys to give me some input or even just to give me some support so that I can solve it myself. And I think that's an important thing for everybody, but certainly for educators. I think we spent a lot of years thinking we were the, you know, the, the front of the class, the bestower of knowledge, the ones that we're going to, you know, give all the kids everything they need. And the world has vastly changed in that regard. And I think, you know, teachers and educators have to understand that, you know, we're going to be learning together with kids far more than we're going to be, you know, bestowing things upon them, like what happened when I, maybe when I went to school. Right. Absolutely. And that's powerful. Um, let's turn uh, to how, to your social media presence and how you are um, doing cool things to communicate with your uh, community and your and others. So we'll start with your um, with your website, your school website. You have uh, this thing called Five Things to Roar About. Can you talk to me about that? Because I think that's just awesome what you're doing there. And so I was saying about the five things to roar about. That um, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. Um, you know, Chris Weijer, I know, is a friend of both of ours. Um, he used to have a thing, I think it was called 10 things to talk about, um, out at Kent elementary. And for me, that really embraced the kind of positive storytelling I wanted to have for my school. You know, I'm a firm believer that if we don't tell the stories of our school, somebody will, um, and it's usually not positive. So I want to be the one, um, I want to be the one who's telling those stories. So, you know, we started, uh, five things to roar about. 
Um, and I just, I said to my community, listen, every Friday, I'm going to send out five things that are awesome that are going on in our school. And that was for me. I had to have the kind of accountability of saying to them it was coming out on Friday. That way it came out on Friday. Right. Um, and the way, the way it's grown has just been insane. You know, I was the one that used to walk around finding the five things, um, you know, writing about them, taking the pictures. It took maybe two months and all of a sudden staff were coming to me and saying, Hey, you know, come to my classroom. We're doing this really cool art thing. And maybe you could put it in your bloggy thing. Um, <laughs> and now we're at the point where, um, you know, we've got students who are doing it, which is really cool. We've got a team of students who actually go around as student journalists and, you know, talk to teachers, talk to students and, and write the uh, five things to roar about. And it's such a great um, narration of what goes on at West Langley. Yeah. And, and why is that so important, Sean? Why does that, why does that need to happen at a school? Yeah. I mean, for lots of things, first of all, you know, schools are doing amazing things every day and no one gets to know about them, right? Like if I'm a parent who works nine to five, um, you know, my kids come home, I say, how was your day? If they're anything like my son, you get a fine. Mm -hmm. Well, tell me more. It was all right. So it really gives parents sort of a window into the learning process and what goes on in schools. Um, and I think, you know, beyond that, it just builds a positive culture for your school. I mean, parents are going to talk on the soccer field, no matter how much, you know, we try to change that, they will always do it. But the blog and some of the other social media things gives them a positive thing to talk about at the school. So instead of complaining about teacher X, maybe they have a conversation that says, hey, did you see on the blog that the kids are really embracing, you know, something in PE? They had lacrosse for PE. What did your kid think about lacrosse? My kid, you know, that's the conversation I want to see happen, um, you know, when we're not around. So it really builds a positive culture for your school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I agree that that is really important to to be the ones who are telling our own own message as Eric Schoeninger would say. Um, so tell me about uh, a little bit more about the five things to roar about. What do you do you look for? What are some of the key elements for a, a five things to roar about post? What do you need to have? You said some kids take pictures. Yeah, well, tell me about that. Yeah, so I mean, the, the key aspect of the of the blog is to celebrate success. Mm -hmm. um, and that really comes in all kinds of forms at our school. So we make a point of celebrating student success. And that's probably, you know, 90% of what ends up in the blog. Um, we also celebrate staff success. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had some staff members whose own children have accomplished some amazing things, um, or they themselves have had some real milestones in their life. And we make sure we, we kind of recognize and humanize that. Um, but, you know, the key thing we're trying to do is give parents an idea of what learning looks like in our school. And so when we create a post for our five things to roar about, um, you know, it's not enough to say, you know, Division Six went on a field trip to the aquarium and they, you know, had a really good time. It's, well, you know, talk a little bit about what it is they learned, maybe get some reaction from the kids, maybe connect it to a bit of curriculum that's going on. Again, so parents start to learn, um, you know, this, this is what school's about and that school doesn't look like, you know, what it looked like when they went there 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. When, when you have these kinds of things happening, how does that change the conversation when you talk with parents, especially about problems that, that kids are having? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it definitely frames the conversation in a much more positive way. And, you know, often when you're meeting a parent for the first time face to face, um, they've already connected with the school through one of the social 
social media. And so, you know, you've got a context to talk about things long before they come in, you know, with their complaint. Another thing that we do um, at West Langley that's, again, about building that positive culture um, is we send monthly letters home for kids that need recognition or deserve recognition for a whole variety of things. And our goal is to send a letter home for every kid by the end of And again, and sometimes, Sometimes that's our first, you know, or one of our first contacts with parents, and it's positive. And so they understand that, listen, we're, we're here for your kids. You know, we wake up every day and come to this building because we're passionate about the success of your kids. You know, we're not trying to do them wrong. We didn't get them in trouble because we don't like them. Um, you know, we're, we're passionate about them. So let's work together to help them be successful as opposed to working against each other. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. I think that's incredibly vital. Um, so I'm just about out of time myself. So let's, uh, let's talk about the last two questions, um, which our first one is, um, what is something that is that someone can do to start becoming a transformative principal like you are? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things. I, I think the mindset is a big one. I think start to tell the story of your school, start to celebrate the things that are going on at your school, um, you know, and do it wherever you're comfortable, right? Sometimes it's in the newsletter, sometimes it's on Twitter, you know, sometimes it's in assemblies, but wherever you are, have a mindset where you're going to celebrate the positive things going on at your school. And you can do that. You can do that today, right? You mm-hmm. can do that through an announcement. You can do it through an email home to your parents. That's awesome. Um, I really appreciate that. Last question is, what is um, something that is in your office that reminds you about why you are doing this great work? Yeah. And, you know, I know it's cliche. I appreciate it. But, you know, right above my desk is two pictures of my kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, Peter and Amy, and and they are why I do what I do. I want to create a school that they would be proud to go to and they would thrive in. And so, you know, they sit there every day and kind of stare at me over my computer and make sure that the decisions I'm making are in the best interest of kids. That's awesome. That's really important. Um, I was talking to a, I can't remember who I was talking to this week, but um, I said, I, I want to do what's best for, for my kid. And I was talking to the principal of my kid's new school. I want to do what's best for my kid because that's all that matters to me. And I try to make those decisions with every kid that I'm working with as if that was my own kid. And, you know, when when there are hard conversations that we need to have, then my kids are definitely the the thing that inspire me to do what's right for other kids also. So I'm right there with you. And maybe it is cliche, but it keeps me going, too. (laughs) All right. Sean, thank you so much. Why don't you tell everybody how they can connect with you if they if they want to? Yeah. Oh, you bet. So uh, the Twitter handle is at sdavids51. Um, that's probably the best place to get a hold of me. And the uh, blog URL is leadershipwithpurpose.net. Awesome. I'm happy to connect with anybody out there. I love growing the PLN. Great. Thank you so much, Sean. It was awesome talking to you. And thanks again for re-recording. <laughs> yeah, no problem. My pleasure, Jasper. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments, 
You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.